Welcome in everybody to a Wednesday night edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris. I'm going to be in his catbird seat alongside the voice of the Texans, Mark Vandermeer. Mark, you went fancy dinner in last night, didn't you? Fancy? Well, look, it was the insider dinner. Yes. Presented by your local Houston BMW centers. It all benefits the Houston Texans Foundation, and this thing is part of the Texans Charity Golf Classic, which is Monday. It's kind of attached to it. Right. It's a tradition. But we haven't done this in person in three years, this <laughs> dinner. So it was great to have Davis Mills out there, Christian Kirksey, Kamu, Grugier, Hill. And also out there was, let's see, oh, Rex Burkhead was out there yeah, as yeah. well. It was yeah. great. So we had some Texans legends, uh, Cal and Hannah McNair, Greg Grissom, Lovey Smith, Nick Casario. Nick spoke about the draft. It was really cool stuff. Yeah. And it's just a way to share with some of our partners and friends what's going on. And a lot of stuff you've heard, some of it you haven't. But it wasn't like Nick was here, like, you know, revealing the deepest secrets of the universe. But it was great to get his perspective and see the guys. You know, I really enjoyed seeing the players, Johnny, seeing last year's contributors, those four guys I just talked about, among many others, of course. But those four guys who were there last night and they're all fired up for the season. It's going to be fun. I feel like I need to pay off on a tease. Well, by the way. Mm-hmm. I'll be doing one with Nick Casario on Thursday night for some of our Lux members. Oh, that's so right. I'm looking forward to Look that. Look at I'm, you. I'm going to put him on a spot. Okay. People have to give up their phones at the door, I believe. So oh. at that point, oh, that's it's good. on. Yeah. It is on. Um, we're going to have in the lab a little bit later. We're going to talk a little bit about the draft and the connections that these draft picks have with one another. So Drew Doherty will join me a little later in the show, but – I want to do – so once you start getting in your head, the schedule. Okay. Schedule comes out eight days from tonight. Sure. And there were already some – the international games were unveiled today. The Vikings and Saints will play at Tottenham in October. The Jags are playing the Broncos at Wembley because that's the Jags home away from home. I want you to think about when you want to play these games because that's what the schedule is. The schedule comes out. We know the teams. Yeah. It's just a matter of when. If you could pick it any way you want Right. If you could pick it any way you want it. So I'm going to give you the opportunity to pick it kind of okay. any way that you want. But i got to pay off on something. I actually did the research on this. Started last night and I finished up this morning. I mentioned this. We were talking, kind of chatting, and I wanted to put numbers to it to see how, how close I was. The 2019 LSU-Alabama game, we kind of, right. I, I kind of brought that up, and we were talking about that. I did the research on this game. In that game against uh, Alabama and LSU, LSU ended up winning. They would go on to win a national championship. In that game, it was like 43-37, 48-41, something like that. It was an insane number. In that game, how about this? Three quarterbacks played in that game. All three were first-rounders. The latest was 15th overall. Five Alabama players caught a pass from one Alabama quarterback. All six went in the first round. Six LSU players caught a pass from one LSU quarterback. Four went in the first round, one in the second, and one in the third. The only undrafted of that group was Thaddeus Moss at tight end. Eleven linemen, offensive linemen starting the game because Alabama started an extra offensive lineman, who's actually still at Alabama. Nine were drafted. Three in the first round, six drafted in the first three rounds. Alabama started four offensive linemen that were drafted no later than overall pick number 37. Ooh. 
four offensive linemen no later than 37, and that pick would have been earlier in 37 had Landon Dickerson not torn his ACL. Both long snappers were drafted in the sixth round. Oh, my god! successive years. And LSU kicker Cade York was drafted in the fourth round this past year. There were four starting corners in the game. Two were drafted in the first round, Sertan Stingley, and two drafted in the second round, Trayvon Diggs, who became a pro bowler, and Christian Fulton, who we faced with the Titans. Overall in this game, there were 18 first-rounders selected, 11 second-rounders. If my math is correct, that's half of the players that were actually drafted. 29 in the first two rounds, 38 in the first three rounds. Played in that game. Played in that game. All right. Played in that game. There are there were three starters in the game, just three that weren't drafted. They were all LSU. Alabama started four guys that are actually still there. Jordan Battle still there. DJ Dale still there. Uh, Kelvin Randolph, who started with the extra offensive lineman, he's still there. So there's still some guys on campus. And then Shane Lee started linebacker, and he transferred to USC. Three out of 22 didn't get drafted. That's it. Oh, my That's goodness. That's it. There were 38 in the first three rounds. So then I, I, put the, I put the test to it. I went I looked up the game you called. Wide right three. Okay. Miami, Florida State, 2000, Just, now October not got, 7th, I yes, believe. Yes. Now, I've not gotten all the way through. Okay. Now, Trap J doesn't count because he's redshirted. Why doesn't he count? He, because he I said in that game. All right. In that he's game. He's on the sideline. I know he's in. I know. But it doesn't count. Because there are some Canes on the sideline. I think Chris Myers is on the sideline in that game. Didn't count. But he didn't get drafted in the first two rounds. In that game, okay. 15 first-rounders. Total. So 15 first-rounders total. And so, they're, I mean, you can just look at it. You can see there are holes. And I don't have everybody in there. Um, I'm, I don't have – I think I've got everybody accounted for. Uh, but there are a couple of them I'm looking at now I forgot to put in there. Um, Darnell Dockett, I think he was a second-rounder. But either way – only, I should say, only, only 15. But how about this? Then I went searching for this one. The 2020 National Championship game. Alabama against Ohio State. Listen to the, listen to the skill players. Both quarterbacks won the first round. Mac Jones, Justin Fields. Najee Harris. Every So one, two, three, four, five, six. There were six players drafted that touched the football that night for Alabama. One, two, three, four. Four first-rounders, Mechie in the second, Brian Robinson, the running back, in the third. They had a tight end, Billingsley, who transferred to Texas. Slade Bolden went undrafted. He's a slot receiver. And then Xavier Williams came in late. He was a freshman. He's transferred to Utah State. Meanwhile, for Ohio State, Olave went in the first. Garrett Wilson went in the first. Jamison Williams went in the first. In fact, they went 10-11-12. They were the receivers for Ohio State. And they're not even the best one. The best one is still there, Jackson Smith and Jigba. And he's projected to go first round. They could have four first rounders in that receiver core. And Jeremy Ruckert was a tight end, starting tight end. He went in the third round at pick 101. Why bother looking at any other school other than Alabama, Ohio State, LSU? Pick another two, and then you're good to go. I'm going to go back and do the Miami-Ohio State Fiesta Bowl. The robbery that was that gave Ohio State the win. I know Buckeye fans are like, we didn't, we didn't get that was a big. No, it was a bad call. The game should have been over, and Miami should have won back-to-back national championships. I've done that game at some point. 
I think that's the only one that could rival that LSU-Alabama game. You know what the Canes game is missing from 2000, the one you just talked about? Offensive lineman drafted in the first Bingo. round. Bingo. That was a really great college line. Bingo. They protected Ken Dorsey, who wasn't exactly fleet of foot. That's the other thing is quarterbacks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dorsey didn't go in the first round. He went round the seventh. And, and Winky didn't go. Went the fourth. How about that? That's, that's so the So quarterbacks difference. and O-line, that's kind of important. But doesn't mean they weren't great college no. lines. That Canes college line, I want to say three guys might have played in the league and, and one of one or two of them. So Brian McKinney. Oh, McKinney was a first, first rounder. First rounder. Okay. But then Martin Bibla was a fourth rounder. Yeah, Bibla. Joaquin Gonzalez, Gonzalez. was a seventh rounder. But then Brett Romberg was not drafted and Shirko Haji Razuli was not drafted. Yeah, I think Romberg went to Jacksonville for a bit, but right. that was it. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Yeah, but the skill the skill. But those guys, trust me, were Check as, this out. those guys were as together as any line I've ever been around. They were just so L- tight. Listen to this one. The starting receivers were Santana Moss and Reggie Wayne. Mm-hmm. Both went in the first round. The starting tight end was Shockey. He went in the first round. Backup wide receiver, Andre Johnson. First round. Backup fullback was DJ Williams. Yep. First round. Who moved back over to linebacker? Yep. Was the first round. They had two backups that went in the first round. Najee Davenport went in the fourth. James Jackson went in the third. Portis was was second, uh, in the second round. Wait, <laughs> what happened? Wait, do you have the backup receivers though? Other than Andre Johnson in that game, Daryl Jones he uh, won the seventh. Played for the Giants. Yep, and Andre King. He won the seventh too. Played for the uh, so Cleveland five, Browns. There were five receivers drafted that played in that game. There you go. That's Three first-rounders and two seventh-rounders. On one team. On one, because on the on other side, team. you got Anquan Bolden, yep. Snoop Menace. Yep. And neither, none, of, none of those guys over there, now, although Anquan Bolden had a tremendous career, mm. they, uh, they had only one first-rounder of that group. But it wasn't the guy who started. It was Javon Walker. You know who would love this conversation? Travis Johnson. I know. Trap J, we need to bring him in. He would in. absolutely love Sorry, this Sorry, Trap, we didn't count you because yep. you were red-shirted. It had to be playing in that particular game. So I want to say Eric Winston might have been on the sideline somewhere. I could be wrong about that. Maybe next year. Maybe the next year he comes in and no, red No, he was not there because he was playing with Seth Benson at Midland Lee. Okay. Because Seth Benson, Seth Benson, I think, was a sophomore in 99, so I think in 2000. Yeah, I think he was still at Midland Lee at that okay. point. I'm pretty the sure. The years that. all blend and blur they together. Do, they all do definitely blend together. But 2022 is coming up. So, Mark, you're going to get an either or. This is either or schedule 2022. Okay. Are you ready? Ready. Okay. The Texans play the Indianapolis Colts twice. Mm-hmm. Home and away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The home game is either in September or week 18 in January, what would you like? I'm going to do the opposite of what you think I'm going to do here. I'm going to go home and away. I want the Colts late up there. Okay. I used to hate that, and I still kind of do. Okay. But don't fear it because you've had success with it, right? In 2015 and 2016, they beat them late in the season up there. Yes, So let's let's go again, baby. And maybe by then Matt Ryan is demolished – Maybe he's reduced yeah. to a piece of baby food at that point. Maybe it's Sam Ellinger. You could have that. By the way, I did a talk for the ticketing staff, just mm-hmm. stuff on you know, my career and, yeah. and the Texans and the history of the team and all that. And I said, everybody repeat after me. This is about 20, 30 people. Mm-hmm. 
I said, everybody repeat after me. I hate the Colts like poison. <laughs> and they're like, I hate the Col-. I felt like Harold Ramis and Stripes oh. with the ESL class. I just had them repeating things like that because I want them to know, to get yeah. indoctrinated mm-hmm. into what the thinking is here, that we hate the Colts like poison. So the Colts, I'd love to see them early okay. at NRG Stadium, relatively Maybe not want to open with them, but I want to see them early. Let's go. Mono a mano at home and then get them up there later. Speaking of stripes, Jack wanted to watch it one night. Yeah. We were watching a bunch of 80s movies, and I was mm-hmm. like, stripes? And he's like, yeah, let's watch it. Does it hold up? Cackled. Yeah. The entire way. It's good. There's so Just many classic cackled. lines. cackled. I mean, it's, it's fantastic. I still feel like, all right, so the scene where they're asleep in the barracks yeah. and Sergeant Hulka comes in, bang, 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 bang in the garbage can. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Bill Murray's eye roll when he's in a dead sleep is one of the great <laughs> scenes in cinema. You know, yeah. and then he says, I vote, as the leader of this platoon, <laughs> I vote that this run be postponed until this platoon is better rested. That is just cla- That's how I feel every morning. I vote that my alarm just be eradicated until I am better rested. All right. The Chicago Bears are on the schedule. It is a road game. Oh, this is tough. Would you rather mm. either play them either – Mid-November mm-hmm. or week 17, which more than likely will be first week in January. I'm going the opposite. I'm going Costanza here because if what I normally want and get doesn't work, let's do the opposite. Okay. So I say let's go to Chicago when it's cold. Yeah. I want to go. And look, I'm being serious here because historically the Texans have done pretty well in bad weather conditions. Yeah. I know they didn't do well Cleveland in the pandemic year. Oh, God. But if there were fans oh. there, you never know. Uh, Green Bay, 08. beat them in 08, yeah. 16. Eh, I, you couldn't say you went toe-to-toe with them, but they played defense better than you think. They just couldn't play any yeah. offense that day at all. Yeah, you Brock. got Roger. You got Roger. Yeah, and yeah. Randall Cobb. Duh, yeah. duh, oh, duh. So, Jordy Nelson. Oh, Jordy Nelson. Oh. Terrible. All right, so that was a tough game. But you were hanging in there for a while. It was yeah. kind of like. 2021 Texans hanging in there for a while, but the right. offense couldn't do anything except for a touchdown pass to Ryan Griffin. Yep. So I I do like going to cold weather places. It's exotic to us, right? Since we're from Texas, right. and the media is asking about the weather all week. Lovey will be laughing if it's going to be like, <laughs> let's say the forecast is going to be like 20 degrees. The icicles hanging off his beard. Lovey will be like 20 degrees. So what? That's a beach day yeah. in Chicago in December. Yeah. What's yeah. the problem? Okay, you ready for this one? Yeah. Dallas, Ooh. a.k.a. North Houston. Okay. I say Dallas Wait. on a Sunday. Okay. okay. Sunday I... afternoon. I don't want a primetime game. I want Sunday afternoon. Here are your options. Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. You have to give me Here options. are your options. All right. Thursday night game. Mm-hmm. Week six. Or Thanksgiving Day Ooh. against the Dallas Cowboys. Ooh. About 4 o'clock in the Without afternoon. Without checking the TV schedule, because I'm not sure if it's AFC or NFC. Who was at Dallas last year? Anyway. Uh, ooh, good question. i got to do look the it math up. on but, that. All right, but let's just, in our world here, since this doesn't count anyway. Ah, oh, Thanksgiving up in Dallas. Mm. No, Johnny, no. Let's just go for it on a Sunday afternoon. I want everyone able to go up there and get back. I want a nooner on a Sunday so everyone feels like they can make the trip and drive back. It was Bills. It was Bills, so it won't yeah. be possible yeah. anyway. Won't be. Yep. So you are you with me here? 
October. It was great last Thurs- time. So you want a Thursday night game no, no, in October? No, no, no. Oh, that's my either or? Yeah, it's a Shoot. Thursday night game in Dallas. Oh, if, I, if I have to go either or with that one, I want the Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving. game. But it can't happen, so, can't happen. so you're good. i got to take the Thursday night. Okay, so six. you're going to take Thursday night in October, Sunday afternoon in early November. Sunday afternoon, all day long. Because you could get fans up there, yeah, and true. you know they'll show up. Yeah. I want to see that. I want okay. to see that sea of red. Yeah. Battle oh, red man. invading the place, taking over the joint, and beat them this time. Last two games have got into overtime. What does this year have in store for us? God, 2014 game. Yeah. Man, that, I remember I remember getting on the bus, and I leaned over next to you, and I was like, that's the most exciting game I've ever yeah. been a that part of. That was your of. first just, year doing the sideline. Yeah. And, you know, I Holy felt that smokes. way, too. It was so exciting, but – that's why the loss hurt. It yeah. goes to show you right. what hurts more, a blowout loss or a close loss. <sighs> Look, they all hurt. Yeah. But in a blowout loss, you're accustomed, not accustomed, but you're sort of conditioned during the course of the game. Like, okay, we're, we're not winning this one. Right. You know, you're down like 28 nothing and right. whatever. You know, with five minutes to go, it's not happening that day. But with a loss like that, it was at the moment. You're in overtime. Mm-hmm. Romo makes a tremendous play. They kick a field goal. They win. It hurts a lot. I thought that was as painful as a road loss could be, really. It was very bad. It was. Mm-hmm. This one's Dallas. a little different. Home opener. Yeah. Either Sunday afternoon mm-hmm. against the Cleveland Browns. Right. Or Sunday afternoon against the Tennessee Titans. Home opener. Take your pick. Cleveland. Let's go. Just rip it right let's off. Let's do it. Let's do it. Just rip it right, right off. Well, let's, let's just go here right now. Okay. Is he playing? He's going to play. Yeah. He's not getting suspended this year. Nope. I don't think so. I, I don't know what has to happen for him to get suspended this year. Yeah. Maybe more revelations or something like that. Some unknown information. Something breaks <laughs> that makes it so Roger Goodell has to do it this year. Yep. Otherwise, he'll just kick that can down the road and see when the lawsuits are resolved, either settled or resolved in a court of law, and then he'll make the decision then. So I think in all likelihood, barring injury, Deshaun Watson's going to be here this year. And, I, yeah, if you're giving me the either-or, the Titans, mm-hmm. or the Cleveland Browns and Watson on opening day, I'll take the Cleveland Browns and Watson on opening day. Let's go, baby. All right, here we go. It's the Florida start to the year. The Florida start to the year. Do you want either week one road Miami, week two home Jacksonville, Mm. or do you want week one at Jacksonville? Oh, no, I can't do that. It would have to be be home Jacksonville week one, road Miami week two. Which Florida duo do you want? At Miami, home Jacksonville, or home Jacksonville, road Miami to start the well, season? Well, week one or week two in Miami doesn't make a difference weather-wise. They could both be horrendous. Right. They're they likely be to be so humid, so horrendous. Lovey yes. will have to practice outside the entirety of training camp to get yes. ready for that one. Ugh. Might as well leave uh. the roof open for the preseason I can't believe I game. came up with that. Yeah. What am I doing? Yeah, that's a, that's a bad one, Johnny. Now, they did it in 2003. They went to Miami, opened on the road. Right. I mean, it's September, and back then, I've told the story many times, the Dolphins were really tough to beat at home in December. I mean, almost unbeatable in the Super Bowl era at home in September. It's changed since then, but the Texans got them. And that day, I want to say it's some overcast and cloud cover, and it kind of 
helped the situation. It wasn't one of those bright, sunny, maximum heat and humidity days in South Florida. It's very rarely 100 degrees, if ever, in South Florida because they have the cooling factor of the sea breeze, but not really a sea breeze. It's sea humid breeze or whatever. I, it, it's always like 96 and ungodly humid, much more than it is here. Much more humidity. I say it doesn't matter, but I'd rather maybe have a game under my belt, so I'll open at home with the Jags, which is probably not going to happen, but maybe it will. And I'll go to Miami week two. You're Prime time road game. Prime time road game. Mm. I'll let you pick the day, Thursday or Sunday. Prime time road game at Miami Ooh. or at Vegas. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Take your pick. I, I don't want to see the team have to deal with at Vegas and the players around oh. the hotel all day. And oh. like, you know, what could possibly happen here? Nothing to see here. Yeah, and me too. I don't want to. Uh, no, 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 Johnny. <laughs> Plus, it's a West Coast deal coming back yeah, against Body Clock brutal. on a Monday night or wait, Sunday night, you said. Uh, I'll take the third. What did you say? Thursday night at Miami or in whatever. Prime it was. time. Then pick your prime day. Time. I'll go to Miami in prime time. Sure. I'll spend the day in South Florida, have lunch with some friends, and we'll just do the game. Everyone's like, well, what about South Beach? I mean, both It's not them, what it was. Yeah. It's not what it was, okay? It's not the same thing. Both of them got some Pratt Falls, but still, you're yeah. probably right. Because I don't even know where teams stay. I have to. I have to in Vegas? Yeah. I heard – who did I talk to that But what hotel there? doesn't have some sort of no, gambling there was, operation there is downstairs. a hotel that doesn't have one, but somebody said theirs did have one, but it was a small casino. I forget what it was. It's They don't stay at the Bellagio, put it that way. Yeah. They're not going to get all the players in the Bellagio or the Mirage or the yeah. Win or whatever and do that. They don't handle it that way. Okay. This is your AFC West back-to-back. <laughs> okay. So you're going to face back-to-back the Chiefs at home, then at Denver, or the Chargers at home, and then at Vegas. Back-to-back. Which back-to-back would you – which would you pick? Chargers-Vegas. But I still have to play the Chiefs at some point. I mean, you do have to play them, but you don't have to play them back-to-back. But you said the Chiefs at home and then the – Chargers? Because they're coming no, here. No, Chiefs oh, at home. Denver. And then Denver versus Chargers yeah, after and then a, at Raiders. After a tough one like Kansas City, I don't want to have to go to Denver. But they're all tough. I mean, what am I saying? Here? I mean, after the Chargers, know. you're going to have to go to the Raiders anyways. If you yeah. have to pick an AFC but mile West back-to-back. Back. Mile high, altitude, whatever. That is a bit Ugh, of a factor. I hate going there for that reason. I, I love Denver. Mm-hmm. I loved when we went there in 2014. I love going there with the Monday night game at 16. You know, the Demarius Thomas uh, RIPTT game that we played in 18. In fact, Suds was just playing on his computer the other day. He was like, what's this? I was like, that's the DT game when we had acquired just him in the train and we'd just gotten him. And then they were welcoming him back. It was a crazy day. McManus pushed the field goal wide right. You were potted up for the call. I was. I was potted up for the call, which was not my fault, but I felt bad about it anyways. <laughs> Either way, um, the still, the the – Altitude just kills me up there. It Trying is. to sleep is so hard. And, and if we're you not go playing Chiefs, the game. Mahomes, and then Wilson back-to-back, I think I'd much rather take my chances with Herbert, who you beat last year, taking on, and then Derek Carr. Have you looked Vegas. at that Chiefs wide receiver core? It's they have about 17 sh- names on it, it seems that way. They can't all make it. They can't all make it, and you could see it working out really well. 
or flaming out spectacularly. Right? I'd be all for flaming out spectacularly <laughs> Me too. just to see what would happen. They don't have any total bell cow in the group, but they got a lot no. of guys. You know what it reminds me of a little bit when the Texans made the move with DeAndre Hopkins and they brought in a bunch of – you know, you still had Fuller here. Yeah. Brandon Cook's really good. I don't even know if the – do the Chiefs have a receiver as good as Brandon Cook's? No. I don't think so. No. But Brandon Cooks came in. A lot of people sort of poo-pooed that, but I know you were losing Hopkins, but Brandon right. Cooks really good. Randall Cobb, we didn't know what he had left, but you still had Will Fuller. Kenny Stills was still a yeah. going guy at that yeah. point, and whatever you'd get out of your rookies and such. And it just seemed like, okay, you got a group at least here. Right. That's what I think the Chiefs are looking at. Yeah. they got a group, and they're going to try to put it all together, and Andy Reid and all that. Look, I'm old enough to remember when Alex Smith couldn't throw a touchdown pass to a receiver. Remember that oh, year where – Did they even hit one or maybe they had one or two or whatever? Holy smokes. I remember. That was brutal. Yeah. You look up after a year and like, oh, receivers didn't catch And now you think of the Chiefs with the Mahomes era going on and it's just bang, bang, bang. Look, the Chiefs still have the number one wide receiver. They still have Travis Kelsey. Yeah. They have number one. And the rest uh, of our a bunch of twos. Johnny twos doesn't, and threes, it so doesn't last good. forever. He's no, that's, any absolutely. He's been, he's been on, a, on a run, but – they're in such lockstep, Mahomes and Kelsey, that I don't know how you take him away. I mean, I, re- I really don't because if you start putting cornerback resources on those guys, well, then, yeah, those other guys can take advantage of safeties, but I don't They looked so vulnerable against the Bengals. They did. Boy, the Bengals, that second half was – The like, Bengals what is run this? has to motivate every team in the league. I mean, it should. It takes away – you know what it is? It's the Buster Douglas beating Mike Tyson invincibility fight. Yeah. Nobody ever, ever thought Mike Tyson could lose to anybody, much less a 42-1 to underdog. Mm-hmm. And Buster went in there, had a great plan, and then didn't back down. And it was like, oh, Mike Tyson can get knocked out? Yeah. All right, cool. We can do the same thing. Yeah. Mark, nice job. All right, it's time to go in the lab and talk about this 2022 rookie class and the connections they've already made this year. We'll have that next on Texans All Access. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of Texas All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst. One note before we get to Drew Doherty and I talking about this rookie class. The Texans have added quarterback Kevin Hogan, Stanford quarterback. Got one Stanford quarterback. Now we've got two and four in total. Kevin Hogan came into the league in 2018. In fact, his one start was against the Texans. Texas got to win that day. Tough day for Hogan playing with a Browns team that uh, – actually, there's 2017, sorry. Uh, that wasn't that great, but Hogan comes in with a lot of experience. I'm sure that he knows this offense very, very well, can help Davis Mills if he needs it. Uh, Pep Hamilton having experience with Kevin Hogan, so Kevin Hogan joins the Houston Texans. All right, let's get to our In the Lab this week, and Drew Doherty and I caught up to talk about this rookie class and how tightly knit – this group actually is, which I would say is rare for a rookie class, but here we go. One of the things that stood out to me from draft weekend was when Christian Harris was doing his interview with the media, A, he's from Alabama, so he had been taken right after an Alabama teammate in John Mechie third wide receiver, and B, he's from Baton Rouge, and he knows Derek Stingley, and he played on a uh, 
the seven on seven with with that guy, the, the Louisiana, the LA bootleggers, Louisiana bootleggers. So he did that <laughs> a while back. Name. That's awesome. Because you think linebacker <laughs> and Cornell, what are they doing playing seven on seven? Well, Christian Harris is he runs like the wind. He ran like a four, four, one in the 40 at the, in the 40 yard dash. But then on top of all that. And he was getting, a safety too in high school. So exactly. That yeah. So he's a DB too. basically that moved yeah. down to play linebacker. He bulked up a little bit, kind of the old Jimmy Johnson theory from the eighties yes. when he was at Miami, Yes. make your Very linebackers, much. defensive linemen, make your safeties, linebackers, make your corners safeties. The ones that are kind of on the fringe, not the, the true yep. great ones. So right. if they're, you know, a little bit fast, move them, move them down a little bit, bulk them up and, and get a, a bigger position speedier. And then on top of, on top of all that, Stingley and Harris, Harris said, trained along with Jalen Petrie, the safety at Exos coming in. So there's a nice connection between, you know, those four guys right there. I thought all, right off the bat, you know, I thought that was really kind of cool. So there's a little bit of a connection, a little bit of a chemistry that you got a, a familiarity. And I think that's going to serve them well. And I'm not saying it's going to go uh, all sorts of distances, but I think that's very nice. <laughs> yeah. And it serves them well just right off the bat coming in, don't you? Absolutely. I don't think there's any question in that. And then you can go a little bit further. The bookends, Stingley and Deculus, teammates at LSU for three years. So they know each other coming in. Kenyon Green and Jalen Petrie and Austin Deculus, all three of those guys from Houston or from the greater Houston area. So – that's that's pretty cool too. Obviously, yeah. you got a number of guys uh, from the SEC. Thomas Booker comes here as a teammate of starting quarterback Davis Mills uh, back at Stanford. So you've got that. The only one really that off the top of my head had really kind of no connection that I could Tegan. see was was Tegan Quintorino, Quintoriano, who I call that pick. Drew, I felt good about it. I don't like to brag about certain things, but every now and again, I hit on one. Right. And I just happened to hit on pick number, I think he was 170. We were talking about it in studio. It was Clint uh, Sterner and Sean Pendergast was driving things. And he looked over and said, okay, what are you thinking? And I looked at the positions that they'd taken. And I thought, man, they haven't taken an edge rusher. And they haven't taken a tight end. I was like, boy, the tight ends kind of fit in this. And I was like, man, I really like the guy from Morgan State. At this point, Tegan Quintoriano. And I looked up at the TV and you could see in the video, I jumped out of my chair and I called it. I mean, I don't, I, I don't brag much but that one i was like i got it so i felt pretty good i had gotten john grenard too and back in 2020 so when i call one especially that late in the draft i feel good you know calling a first rounder is a little different but when i you know get one in the in the fifth round whatever that was um i was i was feeling my oats a little bit but yeah i think drew having a rookie class that's got some familiarity is going to help because you know that somebody in that same room that you're that you know is going through the same thing that you're you are for the most part. So you can commiserate. You can walk over there and you don't have to feel embarrassed. You can walk over to a rookie and go, "Hey man, how you feeling?" Man, I am overwhelmed. And that guy's going to be honest with you because you you know him and they've been there and they can lean on each other a little bit. And this is going to be a class that this organization is going to have to rely on a lot going forward. Uh, the five man class last year, uh, this class and obviously future classes. And look, there are still a few guys left over from 2020. I mean, we've seen great things from John Grenard, Charlie Heck, um, from the 2020 class, Ross Blacklock as well. So they're all going to have to sort of lean on each other because there aren't many draft picks in the, in, in the building, if you will. But this class in particular, for what it means, having the first rounders and Stingley and Kenyon Green. Um, but yeah, connection's always good, man. I mean, I, I can't, I mean, I can't say enough. I remember, going to Brown many, many, many years ago. 
and going in there and, and knowing two or three guys that were from the city of Houston. And so we or from Texas and we had that connection and that just always helps the camaraderie. And now you got to bridge the gap between being a rookie and now the guys in your position room, the guys on your side of the football, and then obviously the guys wearing the same color Jersey uh, on Sunday afternoons, uh, Thursday nights, whatever you might, might do. So I, I think that absolutely helps. And when I heard Christian Harris say that, that it did the same thing for me as it did for you, it sort of triggered a thought like, Oh, Oh man, that's kind of cool that they've got a connection at least, even though Alabama LSU were you know crazy rivals. And by the way, while, while I'm here with Alabama LSU, I haven't gone and done the math. In fact, that's something I might do after this. The 2019 LSU Alabama game, it will go down as the greatest wide receiver game in the history of college football. Now that it's all said and done, but it might go down as the most draftable talent game in the history of college football too mm -hmm. and i'm gonna go and, and do it but just the receivers alone there were six first rounders there were two second rounders john mechie being one of them and then stingley to a tongue of iloa i mean austin deculus ended up going in the sixth round i mean it would it's crazy to think about the talent i'm gonna go ahead and do that maybe for the next in the lab we can geek out on that one game alone yeah because the texans had a number of those guys, in, including Metchie and Krishna Harris and Derek Stingley, that all played in that 2019 game. And it, it's insane. It was an insane game. But I want to go back and look and see what the final tally is for what talent was in that game because it's just insane. Yeah. Maybe the Texas-USC game for the national title might rival that. But, you know, we'll see. Maybe. There was a, there's a Miami-Florida State game that Vandermeer was convinced. Yeah. I think it was wide right three, so the year 2000, which I – because a lot of those guys were backups. Sean Taylor was a backup. Yeah. You know, Dre was a backup at that point. So there might there might be some in, in that game too. So I'm going to compare and contrast. That would be kind of fun. But my goodness, getting three of those players from that game is, yeah. is kind of cool. All right, so we will break down more about these draft picks in the weeks to come, the months to come. I want to talk a little bit about the pass rush though because – that's a position that you didn't really see the Texans go hard after in the draft. They could have, but they went other, other directions. Instead, we saw them the day after the draft on Monday announce the signing of a guy that can do some things, John. The guy who had six and a half sacks last year, John. Yeah. The guy from the Seattle Seahawks, Seahawks, John. Tell us about the newest addition and what he means to this defense outside or, excuse me, across from Jonathan Grenard on the other side. Yeah, I remember when Rasheem Green was a young dude coming out of USC and watching him, watching him as a true freshman, thinking, whoa, this guy's got a pretty unique build. You know, they're playing him at different spots for USC. He's about 6'4", 6 6'5", 6 275, 280. And you think, boy, he could be a guy that bounces inside, bounces outside. You know, last year, the Texans had a guy named Demarcus Walker, and that's what Demarcus did. Demarcus would bounce back and forth. You know, play out on, on the edge and then he would go inside. And he was a really he was a really nice piece to have because he could create mayhem from both spots, whether he was pass rushing, whether he was playing the run. You know, he was strong enough to hold up against the run if he was inside and he was quick enough and had some good moves on the outside that he could use against tackles in the pass game. I think Rasheem, I think that maybe triggered a thought that, hey, a guy like Rasheem Green, a little bit younger, longer, a uh, little bit more explosive in that way comes in and kind of gives you what Demarcus Walker gave you last year. Not going to say they're, they're complete and total 100% Xerox copies of one another, but I think the way that that Walker was used last year could be the way that Rasheem Green 
is used given his size. And like you said, he had six and a half sacks. He had a big field goal block against the uh, team formerly known as the Washington football team and ran that back. He's got some athletic ability. He's from LA. He's from USC. So, you know, he's played in some big games. He's been in the, the big moments. And with Seattle, you know, in 2020, he got hurt. He was coming off 2019 in which he had had some starts. He started about half the year. I thought, okay, the arrow's pointing up. And that injury, yeah, kind of took it back down a little bit. But he had a good year last year. But Seattle just wasn't a great team. But he's got the assets they're looking for on the edge. And then they signed Mario Addison as well. Now, Mario is just a relentless edge dude with a lot of experience. And, look, there's no telling where these guys make the team. They start. They're all pros. We have no idea with that. Well, that was interesting on Saturday. We waited for Nick Casario to come down here for our post post draft interview with him. We always get him live after the draft. And so he came in here and we were talking to him about and talking to him about certain things in the draft. And I believe I believe I asked him about, you know, is there anything that you felt maybe you were you, you didn't get in this draft that you wanted? And he said, Well, you know, uh, there'll be some made about, you know, not getting not getting some edge players, but you know, we got a couple of players. In fact, I don't even know if he referred to edge players as such. He had just referred to a couple of players that they had discussions with and were going to sign after the draft. Bada bing, Monday, it's Rasheem Green. And then Tuesday, it's Mario Addison. thought, yeah. oh, okay. I mean, he, he flat out told us that they were going to sign some players. And when I saw those two, I thought, boy, those are pretty good. Those are pretty good signings at this point um, in, in the whole process. So you throw them into the mix. Green is 24 years old, 25 years old at that. So he's still got a lot of football left. And, you know, look, whatever you get out of Mario Addison, a guy that's been around a little bit um, is, I say gravy, but it's great to have a guy that's been around and seen it all yeah. with still some young players that he can mentor. Um, and that is, obviously, if he's not Ryan Tannehill and wants to mentor them. Oh. Zing. Did I need to go? Did, did I need to need? Did I go there? I'm sorry. That was good. I'm sorry. Good. I Look, I don't. I, right, I mean, I know what he said, but yeah, hopefully it'll help him. Hopefully it'll help Malik Willis. Hopefully. Yep. But then yep. again, there's part of me thinking, hopefully not. So, you know, I don't... Sometimes, and sometimes, yeah. Anyways, I'm just going to leave that one. Who cares? Yeah, we're, we're the Houston yeah. Texans, not the Tennessee Titans. So. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for the reminder. I mean, it's not as if I needed the reminder, but it was good to get it from Drew nonetheless. All right, we're going to go around the NFL next. The Honey Badger has a new home, finally. And it's a wonderful homecoming for him. We'll talk about that next right here on Texans All Access. This. This. Welcome back to this final segment of this Wednesday's edition of Texans All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. And let's go around the league and let's start in New Orleans, the home of Tyron Matthew. Now, I will. I told him this when he was here. I told him this when he was with the Chiefs. I will tell him this uh, until he's done playing football and years after. He's one of my favorite players of all time. Loved him in college. I mean, I, I love Tyron Matthew. I mean, the Honey Badger, okay, whatever. Tyron Matthew, I loved. I loved the story. I loved what he had come from, and he made it, and then he hit a ton of adversity at LSU. He got into the league. He got things and his life cleared up and cleaned up and became a valued member of the Phoenix, Arizona community. Then the one year he was here in Houston, obviously in Kansas City, winning a championship, 
and now he's going back home to New Orleans to play for the Saints. The Saints lost Marcus Williams in free agency, and so they sign Tyron Matthew to a three-year deal, I think. Uh, The financials are on that three-year deal for Tyron to go back to New Orleans and he was drafted in 2013. I mean, it's he's been he's been in the league for a while. He's he's seen it. He's done that. And he's always talked about finding a home, someplace where he could be. And obviously, Arizona gave him a big contract, and then some injuries allowed him to come to Houston. I was hoping we were going to keep him in Houston, but he didn't. He went to Kansas City. He made such an impact on that city's team, the Chiefs, and in the city of Kansas City, and just the area right there in Missouri and Kansas, and. Just incredible football player where Justin Reed took the contract to move to Kansas City. Tyron knew, okay, I got to go somewhere else. Waited out his options and found one playing back home for New Orleans Saints. Now, I really want this to work for him. I know that New Orleans was a rough upbringing for him, but it's home. And so hopefully he will be insulated by his family. Um, His son has been playing flag football. He's going to really miss Kansas City. But hopefully there's going to be a strong support system for him there in New Orleans. And I think he's got a great shot to step in for the Saints. And if they get any decent quarterback play at all, and I don't know who that's going to be. Maybe it's Jameis Winston. I don't know. But that division is a winnable. Even with Brady going back to the Bucs, they're breaking in. Ty Bowles is a new coach. The Panthers are a mess right now. The Falcons are going to fire with Marcus Mariota. I mean, this this division is right there for the Saints to be had. And it all really will come down to Jameis Winston, really a quarterback, and whether he ends up being that guy. And whether Tyron Matthew could be that guy on the defensive side of the ball. Because they will miss Marcus Williams, but with all the different things that Tyron can do for them in that defense, uh, I think it end up it could end up being a really uh strong match in Wishing the best to Tyron. He, when I saw him in 2019, we happened to be, I was walking back to the locker room. He was coming off the field after doing some pre-practice, some pre-workout stuff, pre-game stuff, and just saw him, gave him a big hug, told him I was so proud of him, and his family was doing well, and hopefully they continue to do well. It was one year here in Houston, but he was, he was awesome. He was awesome on the field. He was awesome off the field. He made a really strong impact even in just the one year that he was here in Houston. I wish it could have been for a whole lot more, but he's just down the road back home in his home in New Orleans. So congratulations to Tyron Matthew returning to the New Orleans Saints. All right, that's going to do it. A big thanks to Mark, to Drew, to all of you out there for listening. My man, Chris Santiago, back in studio. Y'all are the best. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. And as always, go Texans.